Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to get us as we come to you live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit as I start to cough and continue a streak of adequacy that began with First Bite where I didn't hit record, but it's fine because the fearless leader is back. Let's introduce the crew here and then break down this uh, once again, another loss for the Detroit Lions as not quite as miserable as it was against the Patriots, but still very frustrating and a little bit funny. Maybe only funny to me. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter, to which such things as a uh, is that second half collapse is kind of funny to me because I'm broken. I'm a b- broken human being, and we will talk about that. About the Lions, not about me being broken. Joining me as always, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit on, on Lion, back from parts unknown um, and very mad at me for screwing up literally everything while I was gone, while you were gone. I no, I, I think I think you rebounded nicely because you you coughed in, in your intro there. And, and speaking of coughing it up. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. But we haven't even introduced third man. So now you're being adequate. You're being adequate by trying to bridge us into the segment before we've gotten introduced. Ryan Matthews Black is the mother- rock guy. at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, how are we doing? And can you make a better segue than Jeremy there? I haven't seen this much infighting since the last regime. Mm. Give that. That's 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 adequate. That's ad- an adequate. I don't care. I'm missing the Red Wings game because of this. <laughs> Is that I think that's the mood around oh Detroit my. right now. It's on to the next uh on to the next big shiny thing to get your hopes up and then immediately crush and dash them before Christmas. Hmm. Well, you know, there are some positives. 
with this game, right? And we should probably talk about them at some point during this podcast. So it's not going to be the doom and gloom Armageddon is upon us. Where is Ben Affleck to destroy the asteroid? Like, we're good. No, I think there were some positives from this game. And I think as we look at the schedule moving forward, maybe you can pin your hopes a little bit on a bounce back. The Lions usually have a good record coming out of the bye week. But I think that we can agree that this was the game. This is the hardest test they've had coming out of the bye week. And for about a half, they were in the game. They were in the game fairly, fairly well and they were leading halftime. They, they were leading at half. I, I mean, like right up until there was a point where they could have taken the lead back again in the third quarter, right before the wheels fell off. But when they fell off, they fell off in an incredible way. So we should just get to thoughts. I've given a lot of mine in the post game show, but Jeremy, this, this was a, we seem to go Jekyll and Hyde on this team quite a bit. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a bit of a continuation of the Patriots and that the offense is now very cold. I thought the defense played better today, but it's hard for the Lions to do anything when the second half drive results. This is what it looks like. Interception, punt, fumble, interception, fumble, fumble, Cowboys end the game. And that's indicative of a very broken offense here that just made a lot of mistakes to them. And I get it. They were shorthanded in a few places, especially with key personnel, but you have to be more resilient than that. It's... This was a tough, I mean, the last two weeks have been, or last two games have been really tough to swallow because in both games, the Lions were able to move the ball fairly well. Um, You know, in this game, Jared Goff averaged 8.8 yards per attempt. The Lions averaged 4.7 yards per rush. That's good enough to put up a lot of points. But like in the Patriots game, they just blew every opportunity they seemed to have. It seemed like every time they got to midfield, it was a holding penalty. It was a sack. It was a turnover. It was something that, that got in the Lions' way from, from putting up points on the board. And, you know, people were happy that that eventually the Lions, you know, settled for some field goals and didn't get uber aggressive on fourth down early in the first half. But then in the second half, Lions never even got an opportunity to kick field goals because they, they shot themselves in the foot so many times. And listen, like Dallas deserves a lot of credit. This is a top 10 defense in the league. They're hard to move the ball against. But and so in, in a way, it's almost promising that they were able to move the ball so regularly, at least on their own side of the field. But considering this was such a close game, as you said, um, up until like the very last five minutes when everything fell apart, it's disappointing to see this offense, which had been scoring so many points and being so good in the red zone and, and making touchdowns instead of field goals, really just destroy every single opportunity that they had. And it was really for a myriad of reasons. Like, I know we're going to get to Jared Goff and we're going to have a lot of things to say about Jared Goff, but I think the offensive line deserves some blame. Obviously, there's some blame with the running back crew with the fumble there. Uh, and and obviously, you know, the lines are also really shorthanded with DJ Chark now on IR and, and losing Amon Ra on the first quarter of this game certainly didn't help either so you're relying on an extra cast of, of wide receivers just that just aren't that good and a couple times during this game you, you saw tony romo kind of pull out with the the, the l22 shot and, and just everyone's covered like what is jared goff going to do um so it was kind of a, a team effort um i don't but i like even with the offense i don't really come away from this game feeling horrible um and you guys know me, like I was pissed as hell. Like, I'm not trying to sugarcoat stuff. I just actually think the Lions didn't play too poorly in this game. If you take out the turnovers, and I know that's a huge if you can't just take away the turnovers, but on a down to down basis, they they hung with a good Cowboys team. And so I don't feel that badly about the game right now. Well, I, I think that's the story of the game, Jeremy, unfortunately, and that yeah. we have to listen to for, for the rest of the week is that 
turnovers did decide the game, yep. but it was that that necessarily wasn't the discussion. The discussion was why were they turnovers? You know, the interception by Diggs um, that doesn't get reviewed. Um, as you wrote up an article about the the spot with the Brock Wright thing. Um, that yeah, led Brock to- Wright, people thought it was a touchdown, but it was a yard short, but then it was a very un, un, uh, unfavorable spot when they did place the ball and people, there was a lot of questions in the post games, Dan Campbell about why didn't you review it? Why didn't you challenge it? Et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, go on. And just the long and short of that, just to make it really quick, the, the lines could have challenged that and he could have moved the ball closer to the end zone, but they still would have lost the challenge because you can only win a challenge. If you, if you change a first down ruling or a touchdown. So um, the lines couldn't have done either of those things. There weren't, wasn't going to be a touchdown. It wasn't going to be a first down. Um, it was a first down, but it was ruled a first down. So um, is that extra half yard on first and goal worth it? Worth a, a timeout and a challenge in a close game? I say no. So I think it was smart not to challenge it. But anyways, back to your point. Yeah. Jamal Williams, don't fumble the football on the goal line. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, um, that's ultimately what it becomes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Jared Goff don't throw passes you shouldn't throw. And the the thing that I was probably most upset with is yeah, the the interception that he threw to Diggs. Um not entirely sure what he saw um or what he thought he had like with Reynolds on the double move whatever. I mean, Diggs was in prime position to make that play. Yep. But the second interception. The Lions are down 10 six they their defense has forced a punt you know they they've rebounded from the Jamal Williams fumble yep and the Lions get a stop they get the ball back and it's Jared Goff over the middle interception and it's him like oh like you know it was on the it was on the ground it hit the turf it's like dude stop and then it didn't stop <laughs> And then it was just a comedy of errors. So like, you know, the, the, the fumbles and the, whatever, like, like Jeremy said, you know, offensive line deserves its own share of the blame pie here. Um, But I mean, this game is just going to be remembered for turnovers, Uh, turnovers. And yeah, there were some untimely flags. It sucks to get some holding calls that didn't, I mean, looked a little ticky tacky. I mean, even when you have Tony Romo on the call and he's like, I don't know where that holding call was. Right. Um, yeah, but at, at the end of the day, like, I agree with the point that you made overall, Jeremy, on, on Twitter. Like, you know, we, we can be as pissed as we want at the referees. We can be as pissed as we want at, you know, um, New York not, you know, buzzing somebody to to take a look at the the replay on the Diggs interception. We can be mad for all the extracurricular stuff, but at the end of the day, Jamal Williams, there. don't fumble the ball on the one-yard yeah. line. Fumbled the ball twice in this game. <clears throat> And he I, came I, in with he, one career fumble. Yeah, that was what I was digging for. Like yeah. you double, you tripled your career fumbles and you lost it in big spots. And like, look, what what have we always said about Jared Goff too? And here comes what we have to talk about with Jared Goff. Like usually we've prided Jared Goff and being like, okay, I get it. You're not going to hit past the sticks quite often, but you're not going to turn the ball over. Well, he turned the ball over in several key spots here. And it just sucks because this was a day where, and we'll get to parts of the defense, but like the defense was exciting today. It had great, you know, performances from Aiden Hutchinson and Josh Pascal suddenly coming out of, you know, where he's uh, coming up and showing us who he is. And 
Uh, you know, Kirby Joseph and Jeff Okuda both have fine days. And it just, it sucks for a team that two games ago was considered the highest flying offense in the league, suddenly just being absolutely reckless with their spots. And, you know, the offense that they are playing is slow and grinding. And, you know, it's, it's a nice thing that you actually have a kicker you can rely on and you kick those kicks and you're not going for it on fourth down as much. But I also think those were all the right decisions, but Ultimately, at the end of the day, you only put up six points because your second half, you're turning the ball over like a nice coat at the Salvation Army. Like you can't, there's there's nothing, there was nothing going. And it's just, it's a shock to the system. It's a shock to the system that in the last two weeks, the top scoring offense, the NFL, has only put up six points. And it's how they got to those six points. But I mean, the, it, the important context here too is that the lines are just depleted by injuries with their best players on offense right right but no 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 dj Chark, who admittedly hasn't been a huge weapon but him being out there frees up a guy like josh reynolds to do what he does best right and- no deandre swift means you don't have that big play run threat as much as you used to i know jamal williams did on one play but there were several times today where i'm like it, it's same against the patriots game where i'm just like i, th- I think swift would have broken that for like 20 yeah, uh, Tony Romo is convinced that DeAndre Swift is maybe True. a top three player in the NFL. But he, I, I mean, he eight point six yards per carry so far, man. I know there I know was it's even only a point where runs, but there was even a point where I think Jamal Williams had a pretty long run there, and he hit. I think it was the twenty yard run where he hit the edge, and he could have kept going, but he just right. there. There was one like ankle ankle break that like I think Swift would have made and kept going, and probably would have gone <clears> all the way to the house, but. Any offense in the NFL is going to be hit with injuries at some point. And but we're we're not talking about injuries, Chris. We're talking yeah. about injuries no. to the three or four of the top five no, offensive I know. weapons. I, I understand that. I understand that. And you know, it that that hurts you regardless. But also it's not like they were just completely lost without them either. True. Like true. Again, all all of the all of the it wasn't like they were getting stopped in the second half and punting the ball away, except for one time it was, they, they had drives going, they had opportunities and they self-inflicted wounds. I I think it's important that we uh, clip this. Jeremy right now is making an argument that running backs do matter. um, (laughs) And DeAndre Swift is a, I mean, yeah, jokes aside, Jeremy, your point is salient because they're missing like the breadwinners. The guys for the reason why this offense is, this offense was humming along in the first few weeks. And it was because of the plays that St. Brown was making. It was because of the explosive plays that DeAndre Swift was making. And now you've gone down the depth chart a little bit. Like I thought Khalif Raymond had a pretty darn good game. Sure. Um, all things. Yeah, considered. Was I mean, good. yeah and, and this is a role where he like has been thrown into. And I'm not trying to go back to the Jared Goff stuff, but like, I wonder how much different the game looks with Amon Ross St. Brown healthy for the entire game, right? Yeah. Like I wonder how much different this game does look with, with Deandre Swift, but like, these are all these shoulda, coulda, wouldas. And it's like, you know, what if, you know, Jamal Williams wouldn't have fumbled on the one yard line. And and what if, you know, the, the, the pick wasn't a pick and, and you, you get into the, you get into that mess. And then I think you lose sight of the things that are tangible and that you can take to you next week. And, and I think it's really important to, to hone in and, and celebrate what I thought the defense was able to do today. I mean, Dak Prescott and his, you know, throwing hand be damned. Like, I thought the Lions looked pretty darn good on defense. And 
I, I think Eric Schlitz said like he, he thought this was probably their, their best defensive performance of the year, probably from, from start to finish. I think you can really make the case that it was, um, especially for, you know, I don't know the Washington game, the first half Washington was being Washington. Um, and then, you know, what they did in the second half is, is, you know, reprehensible, but like, I, I think that today from, from start to finish, this was probably the best defensive effort. And dude, we need to talk about Josh Pascal because holy smokes, did that guy make a difference today? We got, do we got time to do it on this end or we want to save that for the second segment? I think we want to do it in the next segment. We, we, we do. Uh, we can take a break here if we want. I think we're up to about 15 minutes already. Um, I'm, I was trying to figure out, we should probably talk Jared Goff on the other side. Cause I mean, I, I feel like I want to get away from more from just the offense itself. Cause I feel like we are due the uh, every game Jared Goff segment we've done and people have gotten mad at us in the past for the critique. And I think, I think there's been some apology and not all apology is bad. I'm just saying like about, he has some excuses here as far as not having the top weapons, but I still want to dig into his play. So I think we will take the break here. I want to next segments. Usually when we talk a lot of the key players, uh, just real quick, final thoughts, just on overall feel going out of this game. Cause Jeremy, I know a lot of people are once again, not like they weren't already talking draft, but it gets a little bit louder here, but I'm looking at the rest of the schedule coming up and we'll talk about it in segment three, but I guess, do you feel a little bit better about the lions yes. versus the the Patriots game? Yeah. Well, I mean, how can you not? I, again, I, I think the, there's reasons why the, the Lions offense struggled in this game that are understandable. Um, you know, I I I think if they play this game ten times over, they probably score more points in in the other nine games. Um, and and you have to give Dallas credit; like they're a really good defense. And so I'm not that concerned about the offense. And and we'll get to all the defensive improvements that that should have you uh, feeling okay. Because I, I mean, I I look at this game. I even look at the Patriots game in the first half. Like the Lions are hanging with decent teams, and the Patriots are maybe a little bit more decent than we thought. If now that we're seeing kind of how they've they've played outside of that by even Seattle is better than I think we thought at the time. So I, I know Lions fans aren't going to want to hear, Oh, well, I'm just sick of hanging with teams. We got to start beating teams and you're not wrong, but I just think, I think a lot of people overreacted to that Patriots game and thought like this team is just got off. They're, they're the worst team in the league. No, this team is going to win a few more games in this league and, and they're going to steal a game or two that they're not favored in because Listen, they're they're just okay. They're 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 starting to figure things out defensively, and I still think they're a good offensive team on a down to down basis. I, I but they're you know question about the quarterback, questions about their health. I, I don't know. The thing is, like, will they ever get healthy? I think the answer is probably no. And so at that point, like, yeah, they're not they're not going to reach their reach their full potential this year. But if we're talking about trajectory and and you know path to the future, which I think we all agreed that that's kind of what. This whole this season was about some of us were holding on to playoff hopes, but most of us were like, let's just see better football in December than we see in, in September. And and I think this game was a path towards that. Yeah. And I guess my final thought on this, and I don't know how Ryan feels about this because it's something maybe I should save this for another segment, but I think some fans and look, I, I, I want to take it to some parts of this team, but I don't think the problem today was Dan Campbell. I've seen some people and I saw a lot of the post game uh, questions were about Dan Campbell continuing about his decision making, except instead of about being fourth down and when to kick it, it was about why didn't you challenge this or could you have even challenged this or so on and so forth. It's becoming a bit of a meme uh, 
to question Dan Campbell's decision making. And I, I get it. He's had a track record that's been up and down with some of the decisions he's made. He always owns it afterwards and you want to just see growth in that way. But I don't think this was the game to make your, your hay with that. I don't think this was the game that was, that should be part of your exhibit in that regard. I understand you want to be more aggressive, but some of it, some of the comments I'm getting from fans is just turning to just nonsense right now that, that he should go out there and try to get himself thrown out of the game. Like it's a major league baseball game that he's a manager. That's, I, I, I'm sorry. I know you're frustrated, but that's nonsense. That's that's absolutely nonsense. And I need, I, I, I want this team to fight. I want this team to fight very well, but it also needs to fight smart. And Dan Campbell, I thought there, there's nothing in his game plan today. I was overly outraged with. The it was the team that the Lions are who we knew they were in this game. Injured, banged up, and didn't have their best players out there on, especially on offense. I was um, whatever. I know I'm in the minority and I know it's one of those things where it's like, you can be, there's multiple opinions. Yeah. I, I just was a little bit, I was a little bit miffed by the end of the first half. Um, I, I think that context is important, right? Like, like like the lions are on their own three yard line to start that drive. And there's a minute 45 left, right? They force the fumble. They, they get the turnover. Um, you know, there's a minute 45, but Detroit has all three of their timeouts. And the first play is a 13 yard run by Jamal Williams. And then it's another run play um, where they let time more time, you know, tick off and they're, they're at the 20 yard line and they don't use any of their timeouts. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like just a few possessions ago, they kicked a 53 or 52 yard field goal. Like if you can find a way to get into field goal position, cause you have three timeouts, then, you know, I, I'm, I'm I'm questioning the lack of aggressiveness there. And and I think a lot of people and why I said why I said I was in the minority is I think the majority of people said, well, like, I, I understand because Dan Campbell, like he knows that the Lions are going to get the ball out of the half and like why try to risk anything or force anything. And then what does your quarterback do on the very first possession of the <laughs> half? He risks something and he forces something like I don't know. Like it's, it's a fair thing to criticize. I, I tend to fall more on the side of actually conservative here, which is very out of character for me. Um, and Dan Campbell for that matter. Um, I, I, and, and I think you're right. It's, it's, it's all about context here. It's, it's your, your offense hasn't been playing particularly well thus far. It's a really good Cowboys defense and they're really, really good Cowboys defense when they know you essentially have to pass the ball because I don't think the Lions could essentially just run their way into field goal position on a two minute drill. It's not really how it works. So that means Jared Goff is going to be on, is going to be under pressure. And what happens when Jared Goff is under pressure because the defense knows he's going to pass the ball? Well, tune into, the last, tune into the last five minutes of this game if you want to find out. And, and maybe Dan Campbell just watched Thursday night football and watched Andy Dalton blow two two minute drills at the end of that <laughs> first half. It's just like well, you then, know what? we don't need two pick sixes. Yeah, if he if he is though, game. if he is though, then he's comparing Jared Goff to Andy Dalton, which isn't a good place to be. If the, the shoe fits, my friend, I, I know, I know, <laughs> and that's part of the larger conversation we have to have about Jared Goff, which we will do next on the Pride Detroit POD Gas plus some sunshine when it comes to the defense. There are some good players, and maybe Josh Pascal is going to be really fun for this for this defense. Sunshine, but no sun god. Why'd you do that to me? I got it. Somebody's got to be the wet blanket. I've got a stone knife and I am going to start sacrificing hearts 
until the sun comes back out, Aztec style. We will be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. But first, the Pride of Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Yeah, that Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. I'm slinging it all around the studios and my other job, and people are eating it up. They're loving it, man, because it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. So I, what I'm telling you right now is, is beef is meat that the Lions eat. That should be the slogan. You can have the meat that the lions eat. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein. Each stick, eight grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Detroit Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Jeremy is showing off on screen one of the amazing flavors, Maryland Monroe. It is beef jerky with, with crab spice. It's delicious if you like crab spice. You know, I've been slinging around here. I've been slinging around the beer infused jerky. They got beer infused jerky. That's right with Storm King Stout from Victory. We've talked enough about the turkey jerky, too. If it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you. So Righteous Felon, based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. It's a cool place. They use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, priding itself on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. I just told you, crab spice. You don't see other beef jerky using crab spice, do you? No, absolutely not. It's too weird for them, but it's delicious for the rest. For uh, guess what? We've got a promo code for you. Go to righteousfelon.com and use the promo code POD 15 at checkout. You get 15% off your order. This is reasonably priced too, better than what you can find in the gas stations. So get yourself a whole box of it. Help us out. Help them out. POD 15 at checkout. That's promo code POD 15, 15% off your order at righteousfelon.com. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once in a lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. 
Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Pride to Detroit POD cast. Picking up the wreckage here from Cowboys and Lions. I think this is where we're going to try to break into individual player performances a bit. We've kind of taken the bird's eye view. We are uh, getting in a little closer here. And this is where I think some of the good and why we're not completely torn about the game starts to come into focus. Uh, except for Jared Goff. Let's put a pin in Jared Goff. Move him to the side here. Just, just stick, stick right over there, Jared. We'll, we'll get to you in a second. Uh, we have a note here about kicking. Jeremy, uh, for his sanity, I will not lead with that, even though he's just <laughs> looking up some stats in the break. He has committed himself to special teams now. Uh, you could have you could have just stopped it. He's committed himself. Like that would have been a fine committed sentence. Himself. Jeremy I, has committed himself. I'm I'm sensitive about psych words right now. Anyway, okay. um let's <clears throat> talk about the defense because I think there was actually some good stuff and people are actually excited about the defense. So a uh, dealer's choice to Jeremy, where do you want to start? We got I've got on uh, you know the family feud board top categories are you know people you like on the defense survey says we got well I kind of want to start with a larger point which is I think the young nucleus nucleus <laughs> I just pulled a George Bush there. Uh, <laughs> a, a young nucleus of this defense is, is starting to emerge right because I think all the guys that we're going to talk about here are all on their rookie contracts. And a lot of them in the past have been drafted by Brad Holmes, which is, you know, a guy who's been getting a lot of flack and, and understandably so over the last couple of weeks. Um, but I think I think I want to start with Jeff Okuda, a guy that he did not draft. Um, Bing! That's on the board. Yeah. Jeff Okuda, I thought, had a fantastic game and it had nothing to do with his coverage, which I think, you know, he probably gave up a pass or two and nothing, nothing huge um, against him. But he was just an absolute monster in the run game. And it's interesting because it, you talk to some of the Lions coaches over the first month to the season, and they kept insisting the middle of our defense is fine they're against the run. They're doing, you know, the, the guys up there, Aleem and, and, and bugs, they're doing a good job plugging up the middle. The thing that, that has really been killing us is the edges. And some of that's, some of that's on the, the edge defenders. Some of that is on the secondary. Um, Amani is a guy. That, that you can point to as a guy who struggled in run defense. And so it looked like the Lions came in with a clear plan where Jeff Okuda was being used more so filling gaps. Like he had gap assignments on running plays and he just tore the damn game up, man. We talked a little bit about the run defense and I think in our break where it was up and down in this game. They, they were giving up some chunk plays that that we've seen them give up in uh, in some previous games but they've they were really good on some key downs in this they stopped a lot of third and shorts in this game and i think jeff okuda deserves a ton of credit for that he didn't always finish the tackle but he was always disruptive and listen that that's a part of his game that you know this coaching staff is going to really really like and i think a lot of people look at him and like well we're we want you know pass breakups and interceptions from a guy like this but you saw the value of of him in his run defense in this game and and it it kept the lines in this game all four quarters. He was credited with 15 tackles. And sure. like the, the cool thing about the, the game, I think for Okuda specifically, because he had one of these games earlier in the year um, where his run defense was what he was kind of hanging his hat on. And um, fast forward to today. And I thought the cool thing about the performance was like, 
wasn't it wild to see like Jeff Okuda just emerge from like the middle pile of the defenders and it's like, oh, Jeff Okuda made the play. It's like, how did he get to the middle of the field that way to make the play? Like it I think they were doing some interesting things with him. I'm very I'm very excited to go back and, and watch the film on this one. Actually. I think they were legit using him kind of like a box safety. Yeah. Um, which if if the if the goal going into the game, um if part of the game plan is to stop the run, Jeff Okuda is the guy you want doing it um in the Lions backfield, aside from another player who just a quick little rub, Deshaun Elliott. Like, why was that guy ever benched? Like, that's my question. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I'll always find that kind of puzzling because, like, he's very clearly, like, one of the few defenders, I think, of the team that, like, just loves violence. It's like him and Rodrigo. Um, Okuda definitely does it for sure. But, like, it's one of those things where every Elliott hit, I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's it's kind of like back in the Diggs day, the Quandre Diggs day, where like you just hear the hit and you're like, oh, that's Deshaun Elliott. That's right. Quandre yep, Diggs. That's him. Yeah. I, he, I can I can hear it just with my head turned, making some eggs. Yep, that's that's Diggs. That's Elliott. Yep. I, I would like to segue to a guy who has some real stopping power. It's Josh Pascal, man. Like we finally how, got our look at him. How awesome was this guy in his first game? Because he immediately was making plays like he was immediately crashing down run lanes, um, you know, chasing Ezekiel Elliott out to the boundary. Um, you know, I, I think that guy's going to unlock some stuff. And when we keep on talking about how injuries have affected this team, getting that guy back allowed another guy to do some stuff, but we should keep I, talking more about Josh Pascal. No, I was going to say like Pascal absolutely opened up the defensive line including the other edge to go and just be more disruptive out there. Cause suddenly you don't have to focus one, one of the edges down. He's not getting double teamed anymore. Suddenly you've got, you know, two edges you've got to watch out for. And I, I guess I want to format this to Jeremy because during the, during the bye week we were getting a lot of questions about, and look, I, I will completely say that it is way too early in the middle of a season to ever judge a general manager but we were getting a lot of questions about Brad Holmes and his decisions. And I think we even mentioned about around the Anzarike th- uh, situation too, about sure. the strategy of drafting injured players. And if Anzarike is the swing in the miss, the guy who can't get on the field, Pascal took the field and like, look, I mean, middle of the season, don't know how the rest of the season is going to play out, but first blush is very good. Sure. Yeah. And that's a risk why... that paid off. Right. And it's it's why it was always at least a little unfair to to call out Brad Holmes for the injury stuff, because obviously we have to wait to see if the JMO piece, the JMO pick um, plays out. Same with James, uh, James, the title, Mitchell, like, Mitchell, Mitchell, thank yeah, you. Mitchell. Yeah. Um, but like it all piled up in one. Right. Like and, and you throw you throw DJ Chark on the list, too, since he was a guy that was coming off a serious injury and now dealing with the same injury. I thought um, yeah. will. Yeah, go ahead. Keep yeah, going. but the shark thing well. was always kind of a prove a deal. Even when they signed him, they, they knew that might be the risk that he might not sure, live up to that billing. That's why it's, it was a one-year contract, though. But it's going to cost them six million next year. Okay. They 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 formatted that one in a way that it's going to hurt them more next year than it has this year. So I don't know. Like I don't want to give him too much of a free pass for DJ Shark, but again, not the point that we're trying to make here. I, I to, back to Pascal. I think. Listen, like he had a really good first drive, and then you know we didn't see a ton of him the rest of the way. And I'm, I'm interested to see if that was just, you know, he's doing his job and, and it didn't result in tackles or plays or if maybe he he fell off a little bit. But even so, I think we have to point to the fact that this is a guy who's only been pra- practicing for a couple weeks, missed all of training camp, missed a lot of OTAs, missed, missed mini camp. Like 
This is a guy coming fresh off the box who's who's still very much uh, has a lot to learn in the NFL. And like you said, like he made an immediate impact. He he and and his presence on the field just changes everything, right? The Lions needed this big defensive end so that Aiden Hutchinson wasn't the guy in that spot every time taking on chip blocks, taking on running backs, taking on tight ends. And they moved Aiden a lot. We knew it was coming. He was standing up a little bit. You got a little bit of your two-point stance, everybody, that you were so excited about. And what do you know? The guy picks up one and a half sacks and three quarterbacks hit, hits in a game. And he's standing up in a two-point stance now all of a sudden, right? Because yeah, Josh well, Pascal's on the other side right. doing what he needs to do. And so, you know, I, I think a lot of people look at the situation and say, uh, we've been saying this all year, AG. What took you so long? Well, you need personnel. Personnel? Right? Yeah. <laughs> you need the guys. Uh you know, Kaminsky is is also a guy that that takes up that role and frees up Aiden a little bit. And so, who are you gonna put? Were you gonna put what Julian there? You gonna put Austin Bryant there? Like those guys don't really fit that. They they needed the personnel. Now they have it, and I I think we could be. I mean, I don't I don't want to overreact to one game because um we we know the dangers in that. We know this yeah. defense could very yep, much yep. slip back. <laughs> um. We all overreacted to Aiden Hutchinson's three sack game. And then what happened for the next one? Well, it's funny you mention Aiden because I think that's some, so that's one person that Josh Pascal has kind of helped. Right. No question. And, and just to, to kind of close out my point there, it's, it's just, we, we do have to, we do have to put this in context. I think the, the Cowboys offensive line isn't as good as it used to be. So I think there's, there's a little bit, but at the same time, this was a team that only gave up what seven or nine, somewhere either seven or nine sacks through six, game five games for them so lines getting to to deck twice being able to bring him in toilet there was a third sec that was erased by a, a holding and i who was was that julian i thought it was 98 but they, they said 99 either way uh I, I thought this was a nice bounce back game for the defensive line and you, it's hard to point at anything other than they're they're finally getting some of the personnel that they were banking on back and we're not even talking like what happens if when if slash when charles harris comes back yeah, there's that. And one name that we've completely avoided talking about because he was in an active for this game is Michael Brockers. Good point. Mm-hmm. Benched. Not great. Not great. But <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but like, who cares at this point, right? It, it sucks that that's your captain, right? The lines are now down two defensive captains with him and Tracy Walker. Um, but listen, like, he was never going to be part of this team's future. Y- you can maybe look at the contract extension that that Holmes gave him and say, why'd you do that, man? Um, and, and you wouldn't necessarily be wrong, but I think Brock is not going to be on the team next year. Yeah. Brockers at least was, you, you needed someone like that. Cause like, look, this is a super young team. And even with the veterans they do have, it's hard to call what they have veterans, but you do need presences like Brockers and Anz alone. You need someone in there to be those guys. I mean, it, 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 it won't seem like much on production on the field, but I'm sure like, it will help to adjust some of the younger guys to the field so they can become, you know, captains in their own right. But, you know, the fate of guys like Brockers to event- is to eventually get replaced in that regard. Ultimately, though, too, like, I-, I think, like, talented players are productive. And that's what you need at the end of the day. Like, that, I think, you know, we keep on talking about injuries, injuries, injuries. Well, like, the Lions also need talent. And the mm-hmm. problem has been that that talent has been hurt. And then finally, Josh, you know, you know, Pascal makes it out on the field and Brockers is an inactive. And like, that's a plus swap. You know what I mean? Like it's addition by subtraction is what I'm saying. Yeah. And, you know, uh, 
that that's just unfortunate. So I don't know, like second level of the defense, like there, I feel like there was a Derek, a couple Derek Barnes sightings um, that I kind of recall. He was playing mm-hmm. in the in the red zone on on a on a play, um, but yeah, Anzalone, talk about like a Jekyll and Hyde game. Um, yeah, which I guess is what we've kind of come to say, expect that, from Alex. That's Anzalone. par for the course for Anzalone. This is par like, for the course, yeah. And I, I think that comes with like the kind of player he is, right? Like he's not, he's not that athletically talented. He, he'll make some mental errors, but he's a dude that fights his ass off. And so he's yeah. going to find himself in some good situations every now and then and, and, and take advantage real quick. Cause we need to carve out enough time to talk about Jared Goff, um, Aiden Hutchinson. So we kind of danced around him. I guess my question to you, Ryan is giving what we now have of Pascal on the field. Like, is this something we could, I mean, hard enough to do with this team. It, the whole team's damn Jekyll and Hyde, but is this production you kind of can hope to see more of from Aiden Hutchinson? Is it just, is it a function that he was just getting just held up and double teamed in all these games in the past? And now, you know, teams are keeping him honest or do you just have a good flash and he had a good game here? I, I think, uh, you know, the question that obviously everybody had over the bye week was like, why isn't Aiden doing more of the stuff that he did at Michigan where he's standing up? He's in a two point stance. He's not, he was in two points this game. Yeah. Right. So like, you know, I think that they, they have Aiden doing the thing that he's good at now. Um, but again, like Jeremy said, like that's solely based on the personnel that's finally now been afforded to the lions when you put a player like Pascal in there. So like things can change up. So like, I, it's hard to say like, you know, Aiden was just like playing bad because like maybe he was being like misused um, in a way because they didn't really have anybody else that they could trust to, to play in the spot that they put him in. And I, I think it's miscast more than bad. Like I've seen a lot of people like just kind of pile on Aiden. It's like, Oh, he had one good half and now he, you know, has disappeared. It's not like he just all of a sudden reappeared appeared this week. It's just like, he actually popped on film because he was in advantageous situations for, for what his skill set, you know, allows him to do well. And that's where I think it is with Aiden. Like, yeah, like he, he isn't a guy who's always like he's going to be part of this four man front that's always going to be like putting pressure on the quarterback and like he's going to be relentless, relentless, like a game changer like that. Like, I think he's a very steady player. And I think that's what hopefully the Lions can count on as they fill in with guys around him. Then he'll have the opportunity to to flash in a game and and have a sack and a half and, you know, get a quarterback hit on another play um, where he got to Dak. So, like, I don't know, Jeremy, like what's i don't know what's the ceiling for aiden hutchinson in in his rookie season like is this it which wouldn't be all that bad right i was gonna say like he's at five sacks through six games like that's pretty darn that's good. pretty good that's pretty good <laughs> like, it's just, it's just that it's i, I wish it'd be a little more even across the games but sure sure yeah but but i think what you saw in this game like ryan said i think you saw him doing what he does best and, you know, a lot of people look at that Washington game and say, well, that was a cleanup sack. Well, that, you know, kind of nitpicking his sacks. And understandably so, some of that is true. He earned all those sacks today. Like that spin move was nasty. That pressure that he put on nasty. that resulted in a deck Prescott hit also the result of just great pass rush move. And so that has me feeling a lot better because this, this, this to me felt like a more legit good performance from Aiden Hutchinson when it comes to pass rush. I still have to look at, at, at how he did as a, as a run defender in this game, but I think this was a step forward for him. I think part of that is, is definitely due to freeing him up and putting him in more advantageous uh, 
you know, situations, which is the coaching staff's job. Um, but I think this was also just like him. He played better. He, he played better. This was a step forward for him. So I think, listen, I, I, th- I think he's, he's now a double digit sack candidate for sure this year. And that should be more than enough to get Lions fans happy. Now you just got to fill out the other side, right? Is, is, is Charles Harris going to be that guy long-term? Do they need someone else? Um, do, are they going to get more of an interior pass rush? They still really haven't done that as much as I'd like to see, but um, things, like I said, things are headed in the, in the right. We just talked about two or three guys on the defensive front, which is something we haven't done on this podcast before, other than to say, what are they doing? Yeah. All right. Now this is the point where I think we get into Jared Goff. We've taken a little bit of a, I, 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 I understand that he's had a lot of injuries for everything on the offense. I would just like a quarterback that can still rise above that at some point. Cause like we've seen him make these connections to Kali Raymond before. We've seen him make these connections before, so it's just, I don't know. I, 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 I've I gotten plenty of thoughts out on Jared Goff, and we keep going back and forth on it. I know there was those couple of weeks where even though we were critiquing him, people were asking us, why are you talking about Jared Goff? He's not part of the reason why the Lions lost this game, da, 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 da. But like, it's hard for me to look at this game and not see a reason why the Lions lost this game was Jared Goff. And that's not a position I want. Like Jared Goff isn't good enough of a quarterback on his upside to then give it away on his downside. This game is just like further confirmation of like what we know and what we've been saying about Jared Goff for so long. Like he is as good as the parts that are around him. And right now, what are the parts that he has around him? Khalif Raymond, Josh Reynolds, who's banged up. You know, TJ Hawkinson, who's, I mean, the definition of hot and cold. Um, you know, no DeAndre Swift. So like as things start to crumble, like, yeah, like Jared Goff's probably going to look more like the guy who, you know, fans wanted to run out of town at through the first half of, of year one of the golf experiment. But like today was just like confirmation of like, yeah, you know, when, when, when golf is surrounded by players who, you know, maybe aren't getting the most separation or they need to be schemed open. This is, this is the guy you get. And I don't know, like Jeremy, like more Jared Goff turnovers is not a way to endear yourself to to being the guy who can like keep the the ship steady. Yeah, I mean, I kind of always thought this game might go south for him because of one very clear reason: Micah Parsons, the Cowboys' pass rush. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We know Jared Goff is a very bad quarterback under pressure. We know he makes very poor decisions when he's pressured and that doesn't separate him from like every quarterback is worse when they're pressured, right? That's not something unique, but Jared Goff is uniquely bad at it. I mean, remember this time last year, we were bemoaning all the times he would fumble. He wouldn't take care of the football. Well, guess what issue has popped up again now in two straight games. He's fumbling the ball a lot because he he can't escape the pocket. He escaped the pocket once in this game, but more often than not, the man just kind of run around like a madman trying to figure out something doesn't keep his eyes downfield and then fumbles the ball away. Um, I think, I think the perfect example, and this play isn't completely his fault and it's not, it certainly wasn't the one that changed the football game. Um, we actually talked about it during the break. Then the first half when he had Khalif Raymond down the middle wide open and a, uh, a blitzer Dallas safety. I can't remember his name ran around Jamal Williams came around for the sack. Now, if Jared Goff was a little bit better at pocket presence, and he was getting better in the first month of the season, that was something that I was like, wow, he actually looks better than that. 
but he had room to step up in that pocket in that play and just chuck it. And I don't know if he'll complete it. We still haven't seen a deep, a real, a clear deep shot more than 20 yards downfield from Jared Goff this season. And I know the Lions have a good offensive line. I know, I know they should have played better in this game. Dan Skipper as that extra offensive tackle is not the same as Matt Nelson as that six offensive offensive tackle. He's bad. Um, but I'm, there, there's no quarterback in this league that is just going to have a perfect pocket all day. And especially against a defense like the Dallas Cowboys, you have to be able to make your own plays. And that doesn't mean you have to be Patrick Mahomes. Sometimes you just need to be Tom Brady and, and learn how to manage a pocket. And I just don't, Jared Goff has regressed so much in that aspect of his game over the past three or two or three games that it's killing the team. Yeah. That's ultimately becoming where, I mean, I don't want to talk about draft. It's still October, but as the question becomes about quarterback again for the Detroit lions, this is where I come more in the quarterback camp. Like there's too many elements of Jared Goff's game that is missing from the modern NFL quarterback for me to be confident about the replacement level on him right now. Like, and the, the, I mean, the, a, yeah, the, I was just gonna say the, the, the interceptions on like last week or last game, it was, you know, first and 10 in the, in the red zone or close to the red zone against the Patriots this week. It's second and two at midfield. You're taking this deep shot into double coverage and you're coming nowhere close. No Diggs was nowhere near his intended receiver and he, just, he pulled the ball away. You're throwing away valuable possessions where, I mean, this is a close game like that. That could have changed the game. I know I know a lot of people are just going to fall focus on the Jamal Williams play, and understandably so. That is a pivotal point in the game. But you have these opportunities to score points, build yourself a lead. I mean, the Lions were controlling that first half because they got the ball second, and they had the lead the entire first half. And so I think at that point they had a lead. They could have tacked on. They could have built a two-score lead. And Jared Goff just throws a completely irresponsible ball when you just – all you need to do is throw the ball away there. Live to see another down. You're in third and two if you throw an incomplete pass there. You're in fine position. You probably go for it if you don't make it on third and two and drive half the Lions fans crazy by just going for it on third and short or fourth and short. But you're in such a good situation that I don't like, I don't even know what the thought process is there. And that's what concerns me the most, the thought process. Like, what do you even think? Like, what is what is the best case scenario of you throwing that ball? Big not, game. Not, not sound, not sound game. thinking. Big game, big yeah. game, Jeremy. The, I mean, of plays. It, it's the most frustrating thing about this offense. And I, and again, like we do have to continually bring back the, the, the point that their biggest playmakers on the outside, on the perimeter are, are not full health right now. Josh Reynolds, I don't think was full health in this game. He only caught one pass. Um, You don't have DJ Chark. You don't have Amon Ra. Your, your big play guys aren't out there. But like what happened to the the promise of the deep ball? We saw it in, in training camp. Like I said, I don't I don't know if Jared Goff has completed a pass more than 25 yards downfield this entire season. No. Uh, and and who knows if today was even going to be the day that it was going to happen, Jeremy. Like yeah. I I think I think when we all came into this game, we knew that the Cowboys pass rush was going to be a problem because it is a problem for every offensive line yep. in every single game, right? Yep. But the thing that separates it is what you said. You know, like the inability to have some pocket awareness and like I feel like with Jared Goff, it's a lot of the little things, right? But it's the little things that separate the elite guys from the guys who, you know, can just tread water. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Damn. Okay. Okay, Jeremy. Am I like the am I am I the cool kids now? I said 100p. Chris is wow. equal. Uh, I'll kick that bucket down the road. <laughs> but we'll, we'll visit it on Monday. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, then, what about, uh, you want to talk about kicking? 
No. Good job, Michael Badgley. You earned yourself another week here on the Lions. The, the only man to score for the Detroit Lions. You were looking up that stat. Did you ever find that stat about I did. last time the Lions made a 53-yard field goal? Surprisingly, not that long ago. Austin Seibert made a 52-yarder last year. But that Seibert. Yeah. Seibert was a good kicker. And and I know I know he's gonna always be remembered by the Vikings game, but Turns out he tore his not abductors. his fault. <laughs> yeah, turns out not completely his fault. He tore his abductors, which are the exact same thing he tore last year that required surgery and now needs surgery again on it. So, um, string of bad luck for that guy. And yeah. unfortunately, most fans won't see or remember that and just think of him as the guy who missed a game potential game game clinching field goal against the Vikings. But the life knows, of a maybe, kicker. The life of a kicker. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, Badgley keeps this up. I think he was only like four for ten from fifty plus in his career before that kick, that 50 yarder that he made today. So um, I don't have a lot of faith long-term in him, but Hey, step in the right direction. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the show. We're going to look ahead. Uh, there is some optimism in the schedule, but we also said that at the start of the season too, but I want to talk about, I don't think we talked about last podcast, Jeremy, but how the strength of schedule has changed for the Detroit lions. We might have talked about it for the first few games, but we will revisit it and bring that up in contention with the games coming up here. But we'll take that break and come back and do that as we come right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Pride to Detroit POD cast. Uh, before we begin, two notes. Number one, why? What, Jeremy? Uh, you, you smiled at me. What? What did I do? Nothing. We were just making faces while okay. during the silence. Okay. First off, number one. Uh, real quick, thirty seconds on Kirby Joseph. We left him out of our good <laughs> notes, but Kirby Joseph was. Uh, we liked. We liked what we saw for Kirby Joseph today. Yeah, I think. I mean, he's continuing to to provide solid play back there. <clears throat> um, obviously the, the forced fumble was great and, and a huge play in the first half to, to hold on to that lead going into halftime. Um, had, had a chance at a pick too, probably should have had it. Um, but yeah, like it's hard to look at anything Kirby did in this game. I think he gave up maybe one 20 plus yard play or something, but it wasn't just on him, but yeah, I mean, listen, the lines have been searching for an answer at safety for, for a while alongside Tracy Walker and, I think it's fair to say that they might have that um, positive. And, and really, it's, it's been since he's taken over the, the starting job, right? He's just been very solid. Nothing nothing outstanding, but solid. And that's, that's what you want out of your safety, right? Just don't give up the big plays and occasionally yeah. make a play. And that's what he's been doing. All right. Next up, let's move on to November. Yes. We are now a little over a week away yep. from November. And for those who are new to the Pride Detroit POD cast, November is a massive time for charity for us. And I think next week we will unveil the charity that we are supporting. Uh, right now, we're just sitting here brainstorming ways to torture each of us during November. Besides Jeremy's awful mustache, I think we have some disgusting jelly beans that I might be in protest about eating. Uh, we have the Wheel of Pain. I think we are coming up with ways to make me go to Olive Garden for some godforsaken <laughs> reason. Um 
and, yeah. and record it all for you. We will have raffles. We will have, we're going to have auction. some auction. We're going to have yeah. auction pieces this year and many, many guests. So Jeremy, just any, any, anything else we should talk about from, from November. Yeah, no, uh, as always, if you want to submit ideas of um, things that we have to do if we hit a certain amount of money or individual things that you could get for donations, like in years past, you've been able to mute a, a podcast host for you know 30 seconds or a minute if you donate, um, things like that. Um, if you have any ideas, head over to our Discord. Um, you can reach out to one of us on Twitter or email. We'll send you a Discord link. There's a suggestion box there. But short, you know, to keep it short, Every $20 you donate uh, represents a raffle ticket to win some of these prizes. We're going to have shirts. We're going to have food. We're going to have a, a starter jacket, an awesome throwback starter jacket that I could show on stream right now if I wanted to. Um, in the past, we've had signed footballs, um, Lions tickets, all that sort of stuff will be in in it for the raffle. And then there will also be some really cool stuff available like, like we said, for auction um, that will be kind of a little bit separate of, of everything else that we're doing. But, um, you know, if we, if we raise a certain amount of money, we, we do kind of crazy things. So I've done, you know, a Ted Lasso cosplay here on the, on the Twitch stream before dyed my mustache blue and silver. Um, we're not going to do those exact same things, but there'll be, uh, things like that. And there'll be more details on the website, pride Detroit.com in the next, in about, in about a week, we're still kind of working the last kinks out, but, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. You can donate at any time, uh, through the month of September, there'll be links everywhere on the website. If you watch us live on Twitch, there'll be links there. I'm sure Chris will put some links in the podcast descriptions as well. So um, there'll be links all over the place for you to donate. But uh, but yeah, get ready. Get ready. It's it, we. I mean, you know, last few years, not much to talk about from the Lions, but you guys still show up for November and we appreciate you because it does mean a lot to us, especially the charities we pick. So thank you. Thank you very much in advance. I want to talk a little bit about the changing nature of the schedule and the perception of the schedule. What do I mean by that? I mean that we are kind of in a phase, Jeremy, where we are reevaluating. I think we talked about this a little bit in the past podcast where everyone was of the agreement that the first games before the buy for the Lions were generally easy. And what we've learned since then is that's not true. However, we've also learned that maybe the next few games after the Cowboys might be easier than expected. But first, let's go back to the past first. We're talking about strength of schedule, past and future. So of the past, like, look, of those teams that the Lions have lost to, all of them are 500 or better. And some of those are very competitive 500s. The Seahawks, we were just talking about it. They might be the best team in the NFC West, which is crazy to say. But... It's true. They've been, they've been steam. I mean, I think I put this out on Twitter. Like the Seahawks were the only team going into this week that hadn't won every single game after beating the lions. And now, now they're two and one outside of that after absolutely steamrolling the chiefs today. And we are recording this in the middle of chargers. their, their chargers, chargers game, sorry, but they're chargers. all, but the chargers are also down <laughs> by uh, 11 points. No, I'm sorry. 21 points with six minutes to go. Right. So, but like, yeah, you look, Obviously, the Eagles have won every game since that win. The Vikings have won every single game since that Vikings win. might be the best team in the NFC North. They probably <clears throat> they are the best team in the NFC North. Right. The Patriots have worked their way back to three and three. And and the Cowboys have a winning record. And and listen, of course, some of the reason these guys have winning records is well, because they, they beat, beat the Lions. The Lions. <laughs> that's that that's one win. Uh it's worth pointing out. But I think, but to your point, 
by a lot of metrics, the Lions have had one of the most difficult schedules in the NFL so far. Football Outsiders does a really interesting thing where they they rank your past schedule and your future schedule. The past schedule, so everything before week six, or I'm sorry, before week seven, Lions had the fifth toughest schedule based on DVOA numbers. They're kind of, you know, value metric of each team. And so it's worth kind of reevaluating what everything has happened. It doesn't mean you need to be happier about the Lions being one in five. It doesn't make it more acceptable for, for them to be one in five. But when you, I, I think when we went into like that Seahawks game where like the Seahawks are bad, the Lions should beat them. Well, turns out they're actually not that bad. Turns out the Patriots, a team that was what, one in three, I think just like the Lions at the time, turns out they're starting to figure things out. And now the Lions need to do that too, right? Like they need right. to start figuring it's, it's, things out. It, it is they a, are. It is a but, small comfort to Lions to say to Lions fans say, "Hey, you're losing to to actually to good teams. Nobody will really care. It's your record at the end of the day." But take heart in that. I think we are at least like reevaluating the schedule, which also brings us to the next part of the schedule too, Ryan. Which is suddenly the. Uh, I mean, okay. We, we talked about the Giants last on on the bye week podcast, and I think most of you guys are of the of the perception that they are fugazi, even though they just won again today. Granted, they won over a very inconsistent Jaguars team, but they have a winning record. But I don't know. I'm sitting here. I'm going to be doing scouting tonight for the Miami Dolphins, who if they don't beat Pittsburgh, they'll fall b- below 500. Uh, they have to see what they're going to have with Tua Tonga-Vailoa coming back, and the Packers look utterly broken they look broken out there playing playing they, they lost to the commanders today not even Carson Wentz with Taylor Heineke and like they they had some improvements today they were getting the ball to Aaron Jones hands but for the large part the narrative around the Packers is this is a team that doesn't know what it's doing and Aaron Rodgers looks disinterested and they're three and four and they're what three and their four offense right is terrible they're terrible their defense isn't as good as advertised like that team is that team should not scare you right now. And I, I almost think it's a good matchup for Detroit because teams can run on them and their offense isn't good. Well, that's great because our defense isn't very good and we can run the ball like that. You should not be scared of that game. You should definitely not be afraid of the bears. Another bad offensive team. Like if they're, if this defensive improvement is real or even if it's not like there is a good opportunity, I think for this Lions defense to kind of go on a run here of, of decent performances. So I think also the inverse is true because what is there to make of the Lions potentially being like the get right team? Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like yeah. when I look, look at the way that, you know, some of these teams have, have done that. You know what I mean? Like the Vikings, after they had like a, a great week one, like they came back to earth in week two, sure. you know what I mean? And then well, they played the Lions and now they haven't lost a game since then. And the Patriots look improved and, you know, I'm kind of worried and I'm hoping that they, they, they don't turn into that team. Right. Obviously yeah. we, we don't want the lions to be like every, you know, team's wet dream and they're circling them on their schedule. But like, I think when I think about this game that the lions just played against the Cowboys, I was really concerned that they would confirm themselves as being that team. Like they are the team that on any given week, doesn't matter if you know, you're the Washington commanders or, you know, whoever, like you're going to enjoy success against the Lions. I, their defense looked a lot better, Jeremy, to, to your point. And and yeah. I think the improvement that they showed this week coming out of the bye gave me a little bit. I know they lost 24 to six and that sucks, but like 
you know, I, I think that there was enough encouraging things on defense, which was where I needed to see the improvement that like, okay, at least they won't become that team. Right. So can I, can I put you got your guys' feet to the fire right now? And... I, I, I've got, I wanted to do a feet to the fire thing too. It might be the same as yours, but uh, I, you want me to do mine first or should sure. I, should you Go show it. me yours. I show you. Okay. I had this question asked to me on the post game show. Like, how many wins is that before the Buffalo Bills? Oh, before the mine was just going to be how many more wins are on the schedule? If you no, wanna... no, no, no. I, 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 I want to, I want to investigate the schedule in in legs. So I mm-hmm. think next four games is a good measure because I think most people expect the Lions to get uh, laughed a bit in the Bills game. Okay, but, so it's it's two at the home, two on the road. So two yeah, at home, Dolphins, Dolphins Packers, Packers at home, and then Bears, Giants on the road. Two and two. I kind of I had the same thing, but I kind of separated that into quarters. I think between Bears and Giants and Dolphins Packers, they'll of those games they'll win one in each in each quadrant. Jeremy, I would like you to come a little bit closer, please. Um, you just suggested that the Lions might go two and two over this four game stretch. Yeah. Are you saying that they're going to win two NFC North games? I'm not. I'm not specifying which games they're going to win. Coward! Coward! You want to put my feet <laughs> to the fire? <laughs> But yeah, I mean, listen, if they do that, listen, they're two and one in the division. What a oh, tiebreaker they would have in their back pocket. <laughs> Look out, Vikings. Yeah, watch out. Make sure Kirk Cousins keeps playing in the 1 p.m. window. Well, here's the thing. The Vikings got the week off. Do you think they're as good as a, what are they, four and one, five and one? They're five and one. Do you think they're as good as a five and one team? Or do you think they come down to earth a little bit? I think they're going to come down. I, I think I gave out the stat before that, like, not that I have the actual stat in front of me, but most teams who are at this point with the, that kind of five and one or six and zero oh record, usually like they're only good for about six or seven more wins on the, I mean, that still makes them one of the best teams out there. But a right. lot of times, like most of the teams that I'm talking about, they usually go at this point, you have that kind of record. You're going 500 the rest of the way. Yeah. And, and I it, think it, that, may, it may sound like I'm trying to finagle my way into saying the Lions are going to contend for the division. I'm not, not really trying to do that. I'm almost. I think what you're saying is the Lions are going to be the second best team in the NFC North. I, that is not out of the question. I will say that that is not out of the question. Do you do you know how far removed we are from? Is the NFC North the best division in football talk? <laughs> when when did that ever happen? I thought it was. We always kind of assumed it was bad. Oh no! There, there, there was a brief time period where we were talking about well, the Vikings are good and the Packers are good and the Lions are on the rise and the Bears might be really bad, but there's always a bad team in every division. But like those three teams, we were, we were, there were people doing it this past. Oh no, I, I'm sure, I'm sure, but I'm sa- telling you on the national level, like nobody was saying that. They all thought the NFC North was kind of dumpy this year. Well, I mean, and they always overrate the NFC East and they always, well, they're know, right about the NFC, the NFC East West is sexy. Well, they all thought the NFC Broken East clock. was going to be bad. Broken year, so. clock. Everyone Broken thought the NFC clock. East would be bad. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't want to read too much into the wins, but I mean, there are some, I guess there's like chances for optimism, which just means the lions will dash them even harder. No, 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 no. No. This, I mean, this, we're just going to see what happened last year. Everyone right now is super down on the team. I'm the one being the super optimistic one, and I'm going to be the one that turns out to be right. This team's going to win five games, maybe six games total. I want to put that... Jeremy's feet to the fire. Go ahead. Are the New York Giants going to get a first round bye? No, no. 
The Giants are going to be a wild card team. The Cowboys are going to win that division. No, the Eagles. Sorry, I'm sorry. Eagles. Oh, Eagles. I, forgot, I forgot about the Eagles. I'm sorry. I forgot about the Eagles. I forgot about the Eagles are winning that division. Cowboys. It's fine. All the Philly, all Philadelphia fans are out celebrating the Phillies right now. They didn't hear you. <laughs> They're on a bye, aren't they? They are. Yeah. There's they were all at the Phillies. Bye week. No. No. I think that's it for us. Six and six and eleven, you guys. It's not that bad. It'll be all right. Exactly where most of our predictions had it before the year. That's right. I think most of us on here were like five and twelve or six and eleven. I need them to win seven games, guys. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> What do oh, no. they have to be then? Six and five down the stretch? A winning record down the stretch. We got this, baby. I believe in Dan Campbell. <laughs> J-Mo, get ready. <laughs> You're going in. Oh, Dan God. Campbell is going nowhere live chat. He can If the Lions win two games this year, there's, he's still going to be the head coach in 2023. Relax. Yeah, people are getting out ahead of their skis about this. Like, relax. Really, Aaron like, Rodgers. Relax. Well, now you've soured me on it. But <laughs> now I want the podcast to end. <laughs> yes, we're going to end it right now. Uh, I'm Chris Perfett at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Jeremy Reisman at Detroit on Lion. Uh, I am holding back a sneeze really hard right now. Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD. And as always, we'll see you back for next time for first bite for the. There it goes. There it goes. That's saying in the podcast. Uh, we'll see you back for the mailbag podcast with Eric Schlitt and Jeremy. First bite, post game, everything's up on the feed. As always, we'll see you star side. Thank you all. Stick with us. Lions football. Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.